So tonight, I just want to welcome you um, to a teaching that I am entitling Speechless. This word, speechless, has been at the forefront of uh, my brain for the past three days uh, when the Lord first spoke the word to me. Um, I'm not sure how you encounter the voice of God and how he speaks to you, but he can speak to us in many ways, whether it's a dream or a picture or a scripture or through a sermon. Uh, But many times the Lord will provoke me to study and provoke me to seek out revelation by simply dropping a word in my spirit. Um, And it's almost irritating. (laughs) I I know I'm always transparent with you all, but I hope that it helps you as you hear the Lord. When the Lord will drop a word in my spirit, it's almost irritating until I find the answer Um, because it will stir in my spirit, but my understanding is not quite fruitful. And it is the honor of kings to search out a matter. And it is a great honor to start searching out the hidden treasures of God and He might speak that way to you. Don't underestimate the still, small voice of the Lord, even if it is just a thought, if it's just a phrase, if it's just a word. Don't just sit on it. Search it out in every way possible. Find it in Scripture. Find the natural meaning. Pray the Word. Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. And this word, speechless, has been heavy on my heart. Um, If the secrets of the Lord and his secret wisdom and revelation that is given to us is like a treasure, then I would say this was a heavy treasure, a weighty treasure. And something that um, in all transparency, I still don't think that I have unpacked the fullness of this word, speechless. But I'm going to help you uh, join me in this journey of unpacking this word. And it actually fits in alignment with what we're talking about right now. Now, I'm not afraid to jump off topic. If any of you know me, I might start in a series. But God has all power, authority, and permission in my life to interrupt any regularly scheduled programming uh, for a newsflash from heaven. And uh, for a moment, I thought that's what this was. I thought this was a regularly... Um, scheduled program being interrupted by a newsflash from heaven. And in all honesty, I wrestled. I wrestled with Father. I felt like you told me to, to speak about seven women who would change the world or who changed the world. And now you're dropping this word speechless and I don't know where it fits. And you know, when you get in your group of seven, or if you just have prayer partners who pray with you, it's amazing how you become one in spirit. Um, and the Lord will use that group to speak to you and through you. And um, and it was, I've received a call from one of my seven and she said, you know, the Lord is just speaking to me and saying, you're really wrestling with the word you want to deliver and you feel like it's off track from where you're supposed to be. And God said, it's not, and you're to deliver it. It was like she was reading my thoughts. So I'm coming with confidence that this is what God would have me say today. So one of the women uh, that I wanted to talk about who changed the world, I'm kind of Diverting from a mother um, just to a female leader, a, gov- a governmental leader by the name of Esther. And there is so much I could say about Esther, and she probably deserves another teaching session. And I will go back there, but I'm actually just going to kind of hone in on a couple highlights from the story of Esther that I think are very important to us today. And in fact, I don't think I've ever taught this perspective of the life of Esther. So I challenge you, go read the whole book of Esther. I'm going to leave so much out. Her story is incredible. The book is, the Bible is not very long to read. It's power packed with revelation. We are in an Esther season. Daughters of God, you are in an Esther season. This women of fire group is in an Esther season. What do you mean by that, Pastor Devin? Well, an Esther season is a for such a time as this season. It's a moment in your life where you realize a series of of events in your life, um, a lifetime of of preparing, whatever it is, you come to this moment of culmination where you realize all of that happened for this. All of that was preparing me for this. All of that that I went through has led up to this. And this is that moment. This is an epoch moment where years of training, years of preparation, years of trial, years of conditioning are leading to a moment that can change history and that can change everything. And some of you 
may not have realized that you're in an Esther season, but we are, where um, it's an epoch moment where what we do and what we say, it really matters. It matters not just for us, but the people we love and are connected to. Um, Esther uh, thought her time was just about maybe her own life or the people she loved, but really her epoch moment was about an entire nation. And you find out that her epoch moment was really about a future generation. Uh, What she did was not just for that season, it was for years to come. And I believe, ladies, what we pray, how we obey, and what we say right now is more than just about us personally. I believe it goes beyond even just those we care about in our immediate household. But ladies, we are in a for such a time as this moment where we have been given the privilege from heaven to partner with him in what we say and what we do and how we obey to impact an entire nation. If you don't have the faith to believe that, you need to go back and listen to the teaching I did on the power of one. The the word of God is filled with stories about the power of one. And um, if one can put a thousand to flight, then two can put 10,000 to flight. And we have many, many more on this group than two. And so you came too late to convince this crazy girl of faith that we cannot change a nation. You have come too late to convince me that we are not in an epoch moment where what we are praying and what we are, are saying is shifting the world around us. Um, we might not be known in this realm. Um, I have a dear friend. She may be watching tonight. Her name is Sid. Celia Mendez, and she actually lives in Mozambique, Africa, and she preached a sermon that greatly impacted my life, and she said this in that sermon, I may not be known in this earthly realm, but my goal is to be known in heaven, and my my goal is to be known in hell, and And she lives a life that worldly fame is actually an inferior goal. You know, worldly fame is temporary. Worldly fame will not satisfy. But we should live lives that we say, God, I want to be famous in heaven. I want to pray and intercede and commune with you and come before the courts of heaven so much that the angels know me, that the patriarchs know me. I want to be famous in heaven. And then I want hell to know me. I want them to hell to know that when I wake up, they're in trouble. I want hell to know that when I speak out of my mouth that the strongholds of hell are going to fall. Just like when the seven sons of Sceva went to cast out a demon with illegitimate authority, the demon said to them, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And which means hell actually knew the apostle Paul. And I want to live a life of such authority and victory that hell knows me. And, And if the earth in the middle never knows me, that's okay. That's not really a loss. And some of us are so stuck in who knows us in this realm. We have lost sight of what is eternally important. And that is our fame in in the realms that we cannot see in heaven and in hell. And Esther, um, she actually was insignificant in the earthly realm at first. Um, She was just a little orphan girl. Um, And it's a rags to riches story for real. An awesome movie to know that this little orphan girl, because her heart was yielded and she was obedient and she was submitted and she was moldable before the Lord, she became famous to heaven. And therefore, she did gain fame and notoriety on earth. However, what is so important about the story of Esther, which is the famous statement I said at the beginning of this podcast for such a time as this, is that Esther won this fame. She won the accolade of becoming queen. She uh, became wealthy and beautiful and had servants and, and was walking in the blessing and the favor of the Lord. But in that season of blessing and favor, she got a little comfortable. Maybe she thought that it was just all about her personal comfort and her personal testimony. And all of a sudden, Mordecai, the, the agitator, comes and lets her know, Esther, if you don't speak up, our people will die. And in fact, if you don't speak up, even you will perish. And he says, don't think that 
You have the ability to stop God's hand from delivering his people. If you keep silent, God will just go find somebody else. In other words, our partnership with heaven is not something we're entitled to. It's an opportunity we are honored to receive. When God asks you to step out in obedience, when he asks you to do something for him, you should not approach it um, as if you have the luxury of deciding um, when and how and that God is going to actually wait on you. You, or if the kingdom of God actually stops for the contemplation of a human being. I'm here to tell you that it is an honor when we receive directives from heaven. It is an honor when we receive kingdom opportunities. And Mordecai was letting Esther know, look, you may be comfortable in your palace. You may be comfortable in your newfound fame. But if you keep silent, God will have to raise a deliverer from someone else. But you will perish. But if you will speak up, not only will your life be saved, but the lives of others. And so I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but when we talk about this woman who changed the world, she had to be a selfless woman and she had to realize all of her riches, all of her fame, all of, of her authority was not just for her own benefit. It was not for her own testimony, her own book, her own fame, her own lifespan. She had to live beyond herself. God brought her into the kingdom, not so she could be a pretty face on a poster of an orphan child who became a queen, but God gave her that platform to be a deliverer of his people. And that's why Mordecai said, for such a time as this, Esther, all of this happened because of right now. Don't miss your moment. And if I can say anything to you ladies, We talked about this with Deborah and how the sons of Issachar were with her. Knowing the moments are so important. And I challenge you, mother, grandmother, daughter, sister, don't miss your moment. Don't become complacent and comfortable in your season of blessing and peace and miss the moment that you're standing in. You were brought into the kingdom. We were brought into this moment for such a time as this. The time is now. The season is now. The movement is now. And I'm here to tell you results are coming now in the name of Jesus. And this is your moment. And so as I was preparing, uh, trying to choose which women to do seven women that would change the world. There are actually more than seven women in scripture, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I want you to teach on seven women who changed the world. And today he began to unpack to me why. Because I have asked each of you to get in groups of seven, to get in small groups, agreement groups, of seven. And the Lord said, each seven will be seven women who change the world. The reason why the Lord told me to title this seven women who change the world is because I am teaching and preaching to seven women who will change the world. In fact, many groups of seven women who will change the world. Look at your group now. Think of their faces. Think of their names. I am declaring you are a group of seven women who will change the world. And the purpose of me teaching on seven women in our history who changed the world is because there is more history to be made. God says there is more history to be made from my daughters. I have not wrote, God is saying, I have not wrote the final story of women who will change history for the kingdom of God. And he is asking us to have 2020 vision. Remember, if we're going to be women who change the world going forward, then we must look back at some women who changed the world behind us. 2020 vision, as Michelle Davenport said, is not only forward, it's behind us. And so as I pull out these stories, some of you are going to be like, oh, I've heard that story. I know it back and forth. I want you to listen to it with fresh ears. There is fresh revelation for where we are now in this epoch moment on God's clock for such a time as this. There are lessons and principles we must learn from these seven women. There are, I wrote this down. There are strategies we need to gain from them. There is training that we need to understand and pull from them. There are common traits between these women that we need to make sure we attain in our lives. There are lessons to be learned, personal lessons we need to learn from these very historic women. 
And so when we pulled up Deborah and JL yesterday, there was a lot of, or Sunday, there was a lot of revelation, but I just jotted down the three top um, treasures or jewels from Deborah and JL that I think is very relevant for us today. And that is number one. If you're going to be a woman who changes the world, then you're going to have to be seated under a palm tree. You're going to have to be stable in all your ways. We talked about Deborah was seated under a palm tree and a palm tree is made for tropical storms. Its roots are deep and it bends and sways and gives with every wind of storm, but it does not break. And ladies, we got to stop falling apart every time something bad happens. We got to stop falling apart and having a panic attack every time the world around us shakes. We got to stop sticking our head in the sand and talking like cowards every time a storm comes. We have got to be like a palm tree. Deborah's seat was a palm tree and she was rooted and grounded in Christ. She was able to keep her cool when there was turmoil around her. Therefore, when when even the rulers around her were panicking, Deborah had the word of the Lord because she was rooted at a palm tree. Deborah was an agitator. And I'm here to tell you, I prayed that over you and I pray it over you now again, that you would have the anointing of an agitator. If you're always wanting to people, please, if you're always wanting to go with the flow, if you don't enjoy standing out, if you hate it uh, when you make people uncomfortable, you're going to have a hard time changing the world around you. Esther looked at an entire nation and told them not to eat or drink for three days. I don't think that made her very famous. I'm sure not many people were happy with Esther when they didn't even understand what was going on, yet they couldn't eat or drink at the command of the Lord. But Esther was agitating an entire nation to seek the Lord. It wasn't just enough for her to pray. She knew her voice on her platform was given so that she could move the people of God. And she became Became a holy agitator. Deborah was a holy agitator. She looked at Barak and she said, Get up. It is not time to stand still. God said, Go forward. Her words were firm, but her words were anointed and they agitated those who were asleep. They agitated those who were complacent. They agitated those who had gone grown comfortable in a season where they needed to be alert and aware. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to receive the anointing of an agitator and you're, you may get on people nerves just a little bit, but it is part of the anointing and it's a part of the tapestry of the mantle that you will wear if you're going to be a woman who changes the world. And Deborah and Jael were true to themselves. Jael didn't try to be Deborah and Deborah didn't try to be Jael. Each of them in their role with their gifts, their talents, and their assignments had a tool, had a key for victory. Even little Jael may have never stood in front of a nation and spoke like Deborah did, but she took what she had, which was a hammer and a nail, and she allowed the Lord to anoint it as a weapon of victory. And and ladies, if you're going to be a woman that changes the world, you got to stop looking at what you don't have and you got to start looking at what you do have. Your perspective has to start changing. You got to quit looking in the mirror and talking about who you're not and what so-and-so is and what you're insufficient in. And you're going to have to start looking at what God has given you and the gifts that are in you and what you are sufficient in. We got to stop comparing, start tearing, stop tearing down ourselves, start, uh, stop feeling intimidated and feeling like God can't use us the way we are. I'm here to tell you, God can use a donkey. God can use a hammer. He can use a nail. He can use a staff. He can use a sling. He can use a stone. He can use anything in your hands if you will just have faith. And that's what it's going to take for you to be a woman who changes the world. So what is it we're going to take from Esther tonight? And how does that tie in with the word speechless? Well, here we go on a journey that I I hope will provoke further study over your life this week into the story of Esther. But Esther knew how to play the cards she had been given. Esther operated in a heightened sense of self-control. And she knew when to hold them and when to fold them. And I'm here to tell you, ladies, some of us don't struggle with hearing God. Some of us don't. Some of us don't necessarily struggle with having impressions by the Spirit of knowing what to do. But some of us sure struggle with self-control and knowing when to move and when not to move. Sometimes the how of what you do is more important than the what, what you're actually doing. Sometimes what you have to say is not nearly as important as how you say it. And Esther is 
is a prime example of a woman who changed the world because she knew how to operate in divine strategy. She knew how to go beyond the word of the Lord and put the word of the Lord into motion in a strategy that was successful for victory. She knew when to she knew when to speak and she knew when to keep silent. She knew when to reveal and she knew when to conceal. And as much as it has been the passion of my heart uh, for this entire group to operate in a prophetic anointing where you hear the word of the Lord. Ladies, some of you are hearing the word of the Lord for the first time. Some of you have been hearing the Lord for years and you're just now figuring out it was him. Some of you are just now getting confident in actually saying to others, you hear the Lord. Some of you have been preaching and declaring the word of the Lord all your life. But all of us, whatever category you're in, need a lesson right now on how to handle the word of the Lord. When the battle is no longer hearing, the next battle is how you handle what you hear. And Esther is a prime example of how important it is not only to hear the word of the Lord, not only to gain direction on strategy and direction on your assignment, but there is a great sense of value and weight on how you handle the word of the Lord and how you release the information you've been given. If we want to be trusted with important information from the courts of heaven, if we want to be trusted with God's heart in the strategy room of heaven, then how we handle what he says determines how much information he gives us. If I was training to be a spy, what I know is important, but how I handle what I know will determine if I'm going to be a successful spy. And many of you are so excited about hearing the word of the Lord, but it's not just about hearing. It's about gaining the trust of the Father that we will steward what we hear the way he commands us to. And this is the story of Esther. Esther could be trusted with top secret information. If you look at this story, Esther was actually trusted with secret information that shifted the government of a nation. She actually was given secret information that revealed a corrupt individual second in line to the ruler of the nation she was in. This would be as if you were receiving secret information about a top advisor or someone working very close with the person in charge of our country or the person in charge of your company. Esther was actually being let in on secret intel from heaven and God was able to trust her with it. She received a strategy on how to release it and that's what made her trustworthy. If we look at the story of Esther, had she revealed to others what God had revealed to her first, she might have had a very different ending to her story. And so might the nation of Israel. If Esther had spoken too soon to the wrong person at the wrong time because of of the delicacy of, of what she knew, And because of the impact of the information she had, because it was such at a high level of governmental operation, Esther's life could have been in danger had she revealed what God showed her too early to the wrong people too soon and to the wrong way. Literally, the information God gave her put her life at risk. How many of us are in a position That God could literally give us information at top secret level for our nation. Information that could literally put our life at risk. But he could trust us not to say it until it's the right time. Not to say it until it's the way he wants us to say it. Not to reveal it until he shows us who he wants us to reveal it to and how. Some of you wonder why God only gives you surface level revelation. And maybe this is the key to your breakthrough is learning how to handle the information heaven gives you. Here we see that self-control 
is very important if you're going to be a woman that changes a nation. Self-control of these things, this, this beast we wrestle women called emotions. Self-control of, of what some of us have a hard time controlling our mouth. Now, I know there are women watching me, listening to me right now. Uh, you, don't, you don't say a lot. You are a quiet, uh, quiet by nature. You don't have a hard time with your mouth. But there are women out there like me. We love to talk. We love to share. We love to say and we love to speak. And sometimes God has to bridle my mouth. Sometimes we have to learn the art of silence in order to be more effective. Loud is not always God's way. Sometimes the Lord will bring silence to us or or cause us to conceal our word. Look at the Old Testament prophets, even Jeremiah and the many times Ezekiel, that the Lord would not allow him to speak until the right timing. And some of us are like, uh, I used to love the show Full House when I was a kid and Stephanie could never hold a secret. She would have to hold her mouth and her jaws would get really big. She could never hold a secret no matter what her sister told her. And some of us are like that in the spirit. God wants to share things with us, but we don't know how to keep a secret. We don't know how to be trusted with information. We feel like we have to share it. But Esther learned to keep her mouth closed till the right time. How did she learn that? That comes from training. Remember I told you as we study seven women who changed the world, we need to look at the training they underwent in order to become effective. And if you look at Deborah at, at Esther's training, not Deborah, if you look at Esther's training, her life started with the death of self. Esther's identity actually uh, went through a process where she had to divorce her her identity from being the orphan she was to adopting the identity of queen. And it was a long process that she went through in order to do that. And then as she becomes queen, when this information is given to her and she knows that there's a wicked plot uh, by a very powerful individual in her government, a a secret hidden plot that is hidden from the leadership, just like what, what we've been praying for this uncovering now, Esther gets it uncovered to her and she does not start by blabbing her mouth. She starts by calling a fast. This is so important. Why did Esther call a fast? She called a three-day fast of no food or drink. Now, I'm here to tell you a three-day fast of no food is difficult. That is hard. Um, And some of you would feel like you're dying, but newsflash, you can go three days without food and die. But do you know that three days without anything to drink is like a death sentence? That is probably like a 40-day no food fast. And Esther actually went on a journey of self-death and self-denial before she was ever permitted to speak the information that God gave her. And some of you, maybe you need to go on a fast. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to show you areas in your life that are unsubmitted to Him because I'm here to tell you, heaven wants to trust you with information. But, but there has to be a death of self and a heightened sense of the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. What's the difference between Jezebel and Esther and Jezebel and Deborah and Jezebel and Jael? Well, other than the fact that Jezebel was a wicked woman, They were both women of power, but Jezebel spent all of her time trying to control others. Esther invested her time in learning to control herself. That's a word to some of you tonight. You invest so much time and energy in controlling everyone around you, controlling circumstances around you, trying to control life around you. And I'm here to tell you, you would gain the greatest sense of peace if you would turn all of that energy in just learning to control yourself, learning to die to urges and desires that can hinder our ability to be good stewards of the kingdom of God. And Esther went on a three-day death fast and called everyone to do it with her so that by the time she had gained the permission necessary to speak the word of the Lord, she was a walking dead woman. She was able to be yielded to the Father because her flesh had been submitted to Him. I wrote this down. Esther chose self-inflicted death 
self-inflicted death of the flesh. And this is why you can't kill what's already dead. Some of you, if you would be what the Lord says we are to be crucified with Christ, we wouldn't have to fear death. We wouldn't have to fear the attacks of the enemy because the devil can't kill what's already dead. And some of us have to learn a lifestyle of self-denial, a lifestyle of yieldedness, saying like the Apostle Paul, it's not I who live, but Christ in me. I live for him. In Christ, I live, I move, and I have my being. If you're really living for him and not for self, fear dies in your life. I told this story to our staff today, and I tell it again um, on this teaching that I had the privilege of going to the prayer room of Reese Howes in Wales just a few months ago, right before um, the COVID-19 pandemic hit. The Lord got me in there and and I had a life-changing encounter as I was able to travel to Northern Ireland and Wales. And I got to enter the blue room, the the room of intercession, the prayer room of Reese Howes. You can study his life. And I began to realize this man's prayer room shifted a nation. From his knees, through hours of intercession and fasting, he literally turned the tide of of, of the war. He literally revealed secret strategies of Hitler um, to his governing leaders. It was actually Winston Churchill who credited Reese Howes with some of the victories of that war. And he never left his prayer room to do it. Because he was yielded. And as I began to read the history of his life on those prayer walls, I saw time after time, the Lord took him through a journey of self-denial. Season after season where he had to learn to die to the need for money. He had to learn to die to love for his family over love for Jesus. He had to learn to die to the flesh and fasting. God took him through severe special forces training in the spirit. So much so that there was even a season he had to go to Africa and leave his, his, his child behind. Stuff that broke my heart to read. And the Lord said, kneel here in this prayer room, Devin, and pray. Because today the coward in you is going to die. And the more I prayed and the more I wept and began to yield parts of my heart to God that I had withheld from him, the more fear began to lose its grip on my life. And today I'm here to tell you I buried the coward in Devin Wallace in the prayer room of Reese Howes this year in 2020. And I'm not going back because if we will take a journey of self-crucifixion by crucifying ourselves with Christ, we don't have to walk through the trials of the enemy tormenting and torturing us by things in our life that are not yielded to the Father. I said this today. Allow yourself to be pre-shaken so when the world around you shakes, you are grounded in truth. We've said it and I say it again. The Lord's shaking the heavens and the earth. He's shaking the nations right now. There is no natural power that has the authority to stop the entire world as we have seen but the power of Yahweh. And he said, and again, I will shake the heavens and the earth and whatever can be shaken will be shaken and what remains will be of me. That is the word of the Lord. And you can wait for God to shake the heavens and the earth and you can watch your life be shaken to pieces until all that remains is him, just like the rest of the world around us. Or you can allow yourself to be pre-shaken so that you can be a palm tree, the palm tree of Deborah. You can be a stable force to your family, your children, and the world around you when it's shaking. Allow the Lord to pre-shake you. Shake yourself. Pray prayers like this, like David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Search me, Father. See if there be any clean, unclean way in me. Don't wait for the judgment of God to begin, for all your mess to get revealed. Humble yourself in the sight of God now. Don't wait for the next shaking to come to find out what in your life doesn't please God and what you've been propping yourself up on that doesn't belong in your life. 
Some of us are propping ourselves up on things that we are placing confidence in that are not of God or are things that are temporal things like our, our checkbook and our family and our job and, and, and what we can produce on our own that becomes our stability. And when the shaking comes and those things are knocked out from under us, we fall. But if you'll pre-shake yourself, then when the shaking comes, all that is left in you is of Christ. And what is of God cannot and will not be shaken. Make yourself shake-proof, unshakable by allowing the hand of the Father to shake you now. And Esther was pre-shaken so that when her moment came, she could look in the face of death with no cowardice, She could make a statement that says, if I perish, I perish. How many of you could make that statement? As we face the threat of death in our nation because of this terrible virus I don't even like to speak of anymore. How many of you were terrified of death? How many of you could ever look at the face of death and say, if I perish, I perish, but I will obey the Lord? That's what Esther was able to do. Self-control is essential. Quit worrying about controlling everyone else and try to control yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it starts with this mouth. Life and death is in the power of this tongue. It's a little rudder on a great big ship that determines the direction it goes. And God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He wants to speak to your group of seven. And I believe God's not playing. He doesn't want to give surface level revelation. He is ready to reveal the secrets of heaven. He's ready to pull the covers off some things. He's ready to give weighty revelation to his daughters. And this lesson is necessary because he is looking for those he can trust. God wants to speak. He wants to reveal his heart, but he is searching for those he can trust with this information. And it's going to start with the death of self. It's going to start with the fruit of self-control in our life. It is special forces training. My brother was in the special forces and I'm sure I don't know half of what happened to him because he probably never told me. But the stories he did tell me were enough to know that special forces are not for the weak of heart. They are not for the coward. Hundreds of men and women sign up for the, the, the military in our nation, whether it's Air Force, Army, Marines, Navy, whatever they sign up for. And, and those groups alone are trained in specific ways to be mighty men and women of battle. But within that group, There's a group within that group, and it's the special forces. It's a weeding out. I want to say there were a couple hundred people that were going for eight positions, and my brother ended up as one of those eight. And they go through a season of weeding out tests, trials, skills that that are tested, uh, adversity that's brought to the hundreds so that like Gideon's army, they weed themselves out. They will take those men and women who want those special forces position and they will push them until they quit. And the ones who remain are simply the ones who did not quit. And my brother told me the story one time of how in the middle of that special forces qualification, um, in a jump, he broke his ankle. He was skydiving and he broke his ankle. And the next day there was a several mile run, like five, six miles. And he ran on a broken ankle. He physically ran on a broken ankle because they were not going to stop. They were not going to give him special privileges for his broken ankle. They gave him the opportunity to quit. And my brother knew if he let that broken ankle stop him, he would lose his position in that team of eight he wanted. And so mind over matter, he did the unthinkable and he ran with pain that was unbearable and he earned one of those eight spots. Now, some of you think that's irrational. Just like you're going to look at some of us in the spirit and think taking our makeup off is irrational. 40-day fasts are irrational. Going without bread is irrational. But listen, sweetheart, I am not settling for the crowd. I want to be part of the special forces of God's army. I want to be conditioned for whatever he has in this season. I want to be trusted with heaven's assignment. I want to, to, to discipline this flesh in a way that my spirit man is in control. And Devin Wallace is yielded to the leading of the spirit and I want to be one of his trusted ones 
And so it's not about comfort. It's not about ease. It's just about obedience. And some of you would have quit. You would have thrown in the towel with your broken ankle. But there are a few crazy women watching me right now that get exactly what I'm saying. It's pushing through the pain. It's pushing through the breaking. It's pushing through the unthinkable and refusing to quit in the face of adversity that qualifies you for the special forces in the kingdom. My brother told me another story where they had to, in his scuba training, they had to prepare them for possible torture or possible drowning. And it is absolutely natural. I'm freaking some of y'all out with these stories, but it is absolutely natural that if your body cannot breathe underwater, you begin to panic. That is natural. And in that panic, it could cause you to surrender. It could cause you to reveal important information. And in order to gain a spot in this team of eight, these special forces... They had to make sure that these individuals did not break under extreme pressure. They put him in a a cell and made him take off his mask when tear gas was released just to make sure he would not release important information in pain. They dumped buckets of ice water on him in sub-zero degree temperatures and told him I had been kidnapped and his mama was dead and lied to him until he thought it was true just to see if they could break him or if he would remain silent and conceal the information he had been given. And even in drowning back where I was, they would hold them underwater until they passed out and pull them back up so they would not drown, so they would learn not to panic in the face of death. Some of you like, are you kidding me, Devin? This is not a joke. This is training for the special forces. How much more for the kingdom of God should we be disciplined in our flesh? Like Paul said, should we beat our flesh into subjection? Wimpy Christianity will not make the special forces of the kingdom. You may make it to heaven, but you might not make it into the special forces of what's going on right now. If you are afraid of death, if you are afraid of suffering, or if you are afraid of adversity, or if you run at the side of a demon, or if you are afraid of public rejection, or if you are afraid of criticism, Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. How much plainer can he make it? Ladies, the coward in us has to die if you really want the assignment you're praying for. And Esther was pre-shaken. Esther signed up for self-death so that when her moment came, she was not afraid of the scepter of the king. She was not afraid of persecution and she was not afraid of Haman. She feared the Lord and the Lord only. And when you have the correct fear of the Lord, you won't fear what man can do to you. You will only fear the one who can not only hurt your body, but also has the power over your eternal soul. We need a correct dose of the fear of the Lord. And so in this story of Esther, here I go with speechless and we'll be done tonight. The Lord began to speak the word to me speechless. And as I looked at the story of Esther, she was given secret information, but she withheld until the right moment. She, her hungry self, just coming off a three-day fast, prepared a banquet And then another banquet. And then she, at the leading of the Lord and the strategy of the Lord, revealed her information after Haman had built his gallows. After the king had been woken up in the middle of the night and pulled out his books and read about Mordecai. Had she done it before any of those circumstances, she may have lost favor with the king and sabotaged her own moment. And some of you are going to have to learn to wait on the strategy of the Lord. And I feel this this is so strongly on my spirit that what God is doing right now in our nation and in the nations of the earth, we ought not pretend we know. Let me just say it with great boldness. 
We should not pretend to know the mind of God right now in this hour. He is giving us snapshots. He's revealing glimpses to prophetic voices all over this nation. But I'm here to tell you, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has in store. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And right now we get, we need a good dose of humility in the church right now to say, it's okay if we don't exactly know what God is doing. Because it's arrogance for us to act like we can give an answer for the Lord right now when we have never been this way before. We have never seen this before. I read Job chapter 38 today at prayer time because Job was trying to figure out God and and Job's friends were trying to speak for God. And God had this moment where he revealed himself in all of his glory and he began to ask questions like this. Where were you? When I formed this earth, where were you when I told the waves you can only go this far? Where were you when I formed ice and snow? He was trying to say, you're just a man. Let me remind you, I was here before you were ever a thought in your mother's mind. I did not consult you when I created this world. And I don't need the counsel of man now. God is not worried. God is not out of control. And just because you are, we don't need to attribute that to him. We need to rest in the fact that the God of the universe has us in the palm of his hands. And when he's ready to talk, he will. And when he's ready to speak, he will. And when he can find a group of people he can trust, he is going to talk. But right now, it's a speechless moment. It's a speechless moment. I wrote this down. Silence reveals. This is so crazy. I'm not even sure where this has been told or how I knew this because I haven't even watched the news for over a week because I just want to hear from heaven right now. But I was told that this whole thing that happened with Kim Jong-un, this, I'm so not going to get into politics. It's just a really cool story that Kim Jong-un, what, Kim Jong-un, whatever his name is, that he's not dead that he faked his death because there was this conspiracy in his inner circle and that he knew that there were some people plotting to kill him and he couldn't figure it out. So smart man fakes his death and just waits until the treason ones reveal themselves. And now that they have those poor generals, they can't be found. So you can go figure he probably killed them. What a wicked man and a wicked plan at the same time how smart because this is what the Lord spoke spoke to me as I was contemplating that story I was like Lord what are you saying through that the Lord said Devin silence reveals and right now in my silence the hearts of my inner circle are being revealed the Lord said right now in my silence the true hearts of my bride are being revealed And he's watching who's moving without his direction. He's watching who's speaking without his direction. He's watching those that are are grabbing for power and authority while he's being silent. Because silence reveals. And right now, hearts are being revealed. So let me get into this word and be done. The Lord said, Devin, what I'm about to do is going to leave you and my church and the earth speechless. I say that with the fear of the Lord. I say it with the heaviness that it came to me. I'm going to be honest. I felt so much better today after praying this out. But for three days, I've lost sleep. I've been up at night praying in the Holy Spirit. It almost manifested itself in fear. It was so heavy. The Lord said, what I'm about to do will render the earth speechless. Speechless. There will be no words. And I I had to go look at the definition of that word speechless. So good old prophetic Webster's Dictionary says this. Speechless is defined as this. The inability to speak due to strong emotion or temporary shock. Let's say that again. God said, Devin, what I'm about to do is going to render my bride and the earth speechless. Speechless, by definition, is the inability to speak due to strong emotion or temporary shock. Ladies, I'm pre-shaking you because for three days God has pre-shaken me. 
Are you ready? What God is about to do is going to bring temporary shock over the earth. Temporary shock over this nation. And yes, temporary shock over the body of Christ. What God is about to do is about to leave those of us who never struggle for words, like Devin Wallace, speechless, with strong emotion, an inability to express the feelings of the heart with words because they are so strong. God would not say to me what it is that will leave everyone speechless. But God was pre-shaking me. Saying, Devin, what I am about to do will leave you and the earth speechless. Shock. Shock and awe. Which means what we have seen is not the fullness of what he is going to reveal. We have pressed, we have prayed, we have petitioned heaven, we have yielded our hearts, and we must continue to persist in prayer. We need to continue to partner with Jennifer LeClaire for unmasked information to leak into the right hands because God wants to reveal something or a series of things that will leave us speechless. His eyes are upon the earth and what he sees when he allows us to see it, there will be temporary shock and strong emotion that will leave us without words. Don't be shocked if I have a Facebook Live and all we do is stare at each other's face. There may not be words for what's coming. I don't say that to produce fear because remember Job 38 and 39. If you are struggling with fear, Go read those chapters. Remind your soul as it shakes in fear of who your God is and that he is good and that he has us. We are his children. But it's like Kevin said today from the movie Narnia, one of the movies in the series Narnia. Aslan, of course, represents the God figure. And one of the children from the the story asked another, they said, is he safe? Speaking of Aslan. And and the famous answer is this. He's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. When Yahweh flexes his arms to the earth, you might be speechless at the majesty, the capabilities of Yahweh. You might realize he's a lion that when he roars, his enemy is paralyzed. And you might for a moment be afraid and say, God, is God safe? And the answer is actually, he's not safe, but he's good. He's he's not wimpy. He's, He's not puny. With the breath of his nostrils, he could wipe out the entire creation. But he is good. And trusting in his goodness causes you not to fear the mighty one that you can call Abba Father. But his enemies should fear. They should fear the roaring lion of Judah. So what God is going to do is going to leave us speechless in shock. And so I begin to go to scripture about the word speechless. If you'll allow me just a few more minutes, I'm going to go over a little bit. And I looked at the scenarios. God took me through scripture on the times that in history, hindsight, 2020, looking back, if God is about to do something before us that makes us speechless, I began to look behind us at times in the word, what he did that caused individuals to be left speechless. Number one, in Job 38 and 39, God rendered Job speechless by his majesty. In Job 40 and 4, it says this, God let Job know he does not need the help or the counsel of any man. He is God 
all by himself. And Job responded in Job 40 and 4. God said, answer me if you have the answers. If, if you dare to have the answers, why don't you answer me? And Job said, I will put my hand over my mouth and I will speak no more. I spoke once, but I won't make that mistake again. Go read it. And some of us have been running our mouth a little bit too much. And this is a season that we need to realize God doesn't need our help. He needs our yieldedness. God needs our obedience. And we don't need to be in the way with with our declarations that might not be founded in his knowledge or our analysis of situations that might breed fear and confusion. Some of us might just need to learn to put our hand over our mouth. And God will render many speechless by his majesty and his wisdom. I'm reminded of the story in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Sometimes in our arrogance, we think we've got God figured out. Sometimes I, I am slightly burdened in my heart that the church in the United States of America feels like it's got God figured out, that we have some form of monopoly on God. But I'm here to tell you, he's about to render us speechless and remind us that he's not on our side. We have to make sure we're on his side. And Joshua 5 and 13 is a reminder of that story. Joshua was a mighty man of God. He was anointed. He was appointed. He had the spirit of the Lord within him. And he was getting ready to go to Jericho to win a victory God told him he could have. And he ran into the angel of the Lord, the commander of heaven's armies. And Joshua said what many of us have said in this season. Are you on our side or our enemy's side? Are you on this side or that side, God? Are you on our side or their side? As if God is a genie in a box or a puppet or a magic weapon that we put on the side of the American church, like a good luck charm. The children of Israel tried to use the ark that way one time and it didn't turn out too well for them. And you would think if it was anybody, God would tell Joshua, yes, Joshua, I'm on your side. But Joshua said, hey, are you on our side or their side? And the angel of the Lord said, neither. I am the commander of heaven's armies. And Joshua humbled himself and began to worship. And as Joshua humbled himself, strategy for victory came. Some of us are lacking strategy right now because we think we have a monopoly on God. And we think that we are to make our plans and watch God bless them instead of surrendering our plans and asking God to give us his. But if we will humble ourselves and if we will become speechless in humility, God will fill our mouth with the strategy of heaven. Because as Joshua humbled himself, the angel gave him strategy for the victory of Jericho, the marching around the walls, the keeping silent, all that we preach on. It came in Joshua's humility. Strategy is important. What we hear might not be important as how we deliver it or how we follow through with it. Sometimes we can have words without wisdom. And I want us not only to pray for the word of the Lord in this hour, but pray for wisdom to accompany the word of the Lord so that not only do we hear it, but we handle it correctly. We need to stop and listen and not tell God what we're doing and ask him to bless it, but we need to stop what we're doing. We need to stop what we're doing and ask God, what are you doing? I have, I I feel the unction of the spirit on that. We got to stop trying to fix things and stop trying to come up with solutions that we are asking God to bless. We must bow before the Lord and stop what we're doing and ask God, what are you doing and what do you want me to do? Another scenario where God is going to render people speechless is Luke chapter 1 and 22. Zechariah was rendered speechless by the plans of God and the methods of God. Not only is God going to render us speechless by revealing his mighty ability and his mighty powers, but how God is going to fulfill his plan 
will make some of us speechless. God revealed his plan to bring John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ to Zechariah. And Zechariah could not believe the method of the Lord. Therefore, his tongue claved to the roof of his mouth and he was rendered speechless until the fulfillment of God's plan. He was rendered speechless until he came into agreement with God's strategy. Some of us are going to be shocked by what God says, but many of us are going to be speechless about how God does it. What God is going to do will be shocking But how he's going to do it will be more shocking. And that's a a Luke 1 and 22 moment. I'm going to keep rolling with this. Not only is God going to shock us by what he wants to do. Not only is he going to render us speechless by how he wants to do it. But Acts 9 and 7 says this. When the light from heaven shone and knocked Saul off of his horse and God chose to speak to him and use him. It says all of the men around him were speechless and unable to talk. I'm here to tell you, not only is God's plan about to reveal everyone, make everyone speechless. Not only is his method going to leave the church speechless, but who God is about to choose to use is going to render the earth speechless. Maybe in the church world, maybe in the political world, maybe in your local community, but God is about to use some people that leave us speechless. Don't pretend that you have God figured out. Don't think that you can tell God who he is qualified to use and who he's not. He will use people just to offend the religious He will use who he chooses, how he chooses to do it. And just like he used Saul and left those around him speechless, who God uses in this hour is going to leave us speechless. Matthew 22, 12 and 13 reveals another speechless moment. It's the parable of the wedding feast. All the guests have made it in. It seems like everyone belongs at the table. This is the inner circle of the lamb. This is the remnant around the table. But it says this, the man holding the wedding feast began to look at the table and there were a couple who were not dressed in the right garments. They were imposters. And when they were called out by the father, they were speechless in their unveiling, and they were cast out. I say this with a broken heart, and I say this with all humility, but I'm here to tell you, there are some imposters that are about to be revealed, and it's going to leave us speechless. Some people that we thought made it into the inner circle of the kingdom and that they're in the, in, the, in the wedding feast around the banquet table getting ready to see the kingdom come, but they are not dressed in the garments of Christ. They are imposters and their revealing is going to leave us speechless. And then for all of you who are turning your ear to heaven for prophetic revelation, Daniel 10 and 15 says this, when God revealed his plans to Daniel, Daniel was weak and speechless. He was actually unable to speak and he fell as a dead man. Some of us, God hasn't revealed to us his plans yet because we simply can't handle it. And when he reveals what he wants to say, it's going to leave us speechless. And I'll end with this. Habakkuk 2 and 20 says this. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be speechless before him. And I just declare there is an unveiling of the glory of God in his temple, in his house, through his people. You are the temple of God. May the glory of God be revealed in the temple in such a way that the earth around us is speechless. So I'm just going to pray and seal this word. 
I want you to contemplate on what God could be saying to you through it. Speechless. I want you to pray for the Lord to reveal whatever he needs to reveal. And I want you to allow him to pre-shake your heart so that when the shock comes, you can remain as a palm tree when the world around us is shaking. I want you to brace yourself for what the Lord is about to do and what he is about to unmask and reveal will leave us speechless in many ways. And I want you to pray for the Lord to make you a good steward of the secrets of heaven, that you can be the secret service that can be trusted with God, what God wants to reveal in this hour. Because what he wants to reveal is weighty, it's important, it's heavy, and we must have self-control and we must be yielded so that we can be good stewards like Esther and that you can be one of the seven women who change the world around them. Father, I just pray over these women of fire right now. I seal this word. I'm not even sure how to end this, Father, but by saying we hear you, I faithfully report what I have heard from heaven. You have given us inside information that what you are about to reveal will bring shock and strong emotion and we will be left without words. And we trust your goodness in this hour. And Father, whatever you want to reveal to us corporately or individually, may we be like Esther's. May you be able to trust us with top secret information. Trust us with the secrets and the keys of heaven for the nation around us that we would be good stewards of what you say, yielded in complete surrender and obedience to the process and the strategy that would accompany the word. Let us operate in self-control. Let us crucify the flesh, Father. Search us and see any way in us that would cause us to step out of alignment with your timing and your way. Lord, give these daughters the anointing of Esther. For such a time as this, we declare if we perish, we perish. If that means our reputation perishes, if that means our pride perishes, whatever that means, Father, we just want to be good stewards of this epoch moment. And we don't want you to have to look somewhere else for deliverance to come. We are your Esters. We are your yielded ones. And we surrender to you now, Father, for whatever you want to say and whatever you want to do in this hour. In Jesus' name, we seal this and we pray this in agreement together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. So tomorrow we will take a break because it is Wednesday night and I want you to be involved uh, with your church. And then I will release it tomorrow. It will be either Thursday or Friday. Something that I want to start doing is releasing some words from previous women's, uh, women of fire that, that we can pull them out of the vault and let you hear some um, some messages from some mighty women, men of God that have been from past seasons. I don't know if we've ever uh, re-released those words and there's some strategic ones I want to pull out. They will only be available for a few hours when they're released. So it's going to be important you watch while they're available. And guess who we're going to start with? Jennifer LeClaire. So we have the word that Jennifer LeClaire delivered at Women of Fire last year. And since we're praying in agreement with her, I thought just hearing that word would be so timely. It's actually on inner vows a life-changing teaching for me personally. And so it will either be Thursday or Friday night. I'll give you a heads up that we will release that message by Jennifer LeClaire. We'll probably keep it open uh, for a day, maybe to give you time to watch that. But when it when it ends, you're not going to be able to ask us to re-release it because we're going to move on to the next um, sermon in the vault. And so um, Thursday or Friday, we'll be releasing the word by Jennifer LeClaire. And then I'll be back on one of those nights myself talking about about seven women who changed the world around us. So I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you.